the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. July 10th, year 2023. I've done a crazy amount of shows. I'll tally them up for you at some point in time. But think of 25 years of doing this five days a week. Um, Lots of content, lots of ideas, lots of um, education, hopefully. Hopefully some of you graduate and move on and don't have to listen to this. But like I always like to start on Mondays, um, like talking about how we're doing for the year, kind of a report card. I want to get you to retirement, just like Elton John is now in retirement. He's performed his Goodbye Yellow Brick Road concert 1,475 times, the song, over the past 50 years. You can add a zero to that when you talk about how many shows I've done, but you get the idea. Um, His farewell tour began in 2018. It spanned 333 shows. It brought in more than $900 million. That is a record, but it's not going to last for long as Taylor Swift and Beyonce are going to take it down probably this year with a lot fewer shows. The NASDAQ year to date up 31%. The SP 500 up 15%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1.8%. You could say that last week, the first week of the back half of the year, started a little bit dubious, a little bit of profit-taking. Now we move into earnings season and a little bit of inflation watch. Last week, I think we're getting the message the Fed wants to raise interest rates 25 more basis points. That's was kind of known. But they were, they're really sticking with that. Don't expect any cuts anytime soon. Uh, Year-to-date, oil down 4%, worthy of note. That's kind of telling us don't expect a lot of growth. What else do we need to hit today as far as big headlines? The NBA changed up something kind of fun. If you're an NBA fan, they've announced an in-season tournament. In large part, I'm going to cut to the bottom line here and tell you, an in-season tournament, cute. They lit up the MSG sphere and made it look like a basketball, which if you have not seen the MSG sphere, I highly recommend you take a look at this crazy piece of technology architecture. But it's going to be an in-season tournament in November and December with teams competing in a group stage for a chance to play in a Final Four-style round in Vegas. Silver said the new tradition was inspired by European soccer where if you're in the English Premier League, you get to play some of the champions of the German Bundesliga or the Italian League or the Russian League. And everyone's like, why is there so many tournaments? Well, keeps things relevant, keeps uh, players trained, um, gives a little bit of pride to clubs if they can win not only their um, title in their, say, the English Premier League, but if they can take a group title as well. A lot of money involved, right? 
Okay, so that's why the NBA is doing it. Money involved. But on top of it, it makes us watch in November and December when really the games are meaningless and we're watching the NFL in November and December. I always want you to think of things as marketing, okay? Um, And why are they doing this? The more you see things like that, the better investor you can become. U.S. lawmakers are going to be investigating Logan Paul in KSI for their drink called Prime, as it's got way, I'm not going to say too much caffeine, but essentially six Coca-Colas and one bottle of Prime. So say it's an egregious amount of caffeine. I think that's fair. It's incredibly popular amongst teens. Uh, My kids have them empties in their room as a basically status symbol. But it could also all that caffeine could have anxiety issues and heart problems. It's been banned in some schools around the world. 200 milligrams per 12 ounces. Same amount as two Red Bulls or six cans of Coke. It's a powerful force marketing is. The brand wrote it's like following to 250 million in retail sales in its first year. And it's inked deals to become the official sports drink of the L.A. Dodgers and FC Barcelona. Uh Oh, (laughs) Congress wants to investigate. Do you know what Congress just did? They made it even more popular with teenagers. There was a. Congressman Al Gore. He was married. He's no longer married, but his wife was Tipper Gore in the 1990s. And she was uh, trying to drum up support amongst moms for her husband's campaign to be president of the United States. And she made fun of Grand Theft Auto. She didn't make fun of it. She said, we need to. This is gross. Like Grand Theft Auto is a game where I think there's some cop killing in it, right? You play a criminal. You try to outrun the police. You try to build an empire. But along the way, not only are you killing cops, but when you get shot, instead of finding a health kit on the ground, you would go entertain yourself in an adult way with a lady. And she found that disgusting and gross. And she brought it up and sales of the game went higher and higher because of it. Anytime adults tell kids what they can and can't do, it does not have a good result. Major League Baseball has their home run derby tonight, which I go, doesn't work for me. We're going to be able to see the northern lights in 17 states due to a big solar storm. And I go, I'd rather look at the MSG sphere, but I know, I know I'm not cool with that. Um, Megan Rapino is going to retire from women's soccer after the current NWSL season and after the World Cup starting for the women later this month. I bring that up again because this show is about retirement. And professional athletes, they don't work as long as the regular citizens do. You get the idea. So those are your daily headlines. Let's get to a little bit of what's happening today. Friday's week finish for the mega cap stocks created some added uncertainty about where this week might go. One thing we know for certain is that market participants should be back at their desks after the July 4th week Um where basically we had a short day on Monday and a closed market on Tuesday. So if you're a professional investor, you take that week off. I took three days off. Um, if I was on the East Coast, I would probably be in New York City and I'd probably be going to the Hamptons. And I'm not going to the Hamptons for three days. I'm going for the long weekend of a nine-dayer. 
Fundstrat's Tom Lee thinks the S&P 500 could rally 100 points after the June CPI report on Wednesday. That's a big data point coming up. If he's right, any such move would likely include the mega cap tech stocks. Just throwing that down there for you. Mr. Lee's call is a very tactical call. He feels that core CPI could come in at two-tenths of a percent month over month or lower and trigger a relief rally at the front of the yield curve that fuels the rally in the stocks going forward. Tom Lee is uh, probably the most happiest smiley guy on Wall Street who says it's always going to go higher just because. Now, you can't just live in that world, but you can listen to it and you can build it into your thoughts. And that's not a bad thing. The CPI report will be a focal point this week for a good reason. One of the focal points is China as well. Their June CPI was flat year over year, while June PPI was down 5.4% the producer price index. It's the fastest falling inflation in seven years out of China. This is fueling speculation that China will soon announce additional policy stimulus measures, i.e. throwing money into their economy. And you want to be in front of that, according to Tom Lee. We get earnings this week from Delta, Pepsi, Fastenal, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and United Healthcare. It's a big, big, big um, week. I like it. I like it for a summer week. There's a lot going on when there's usually not a lot going on. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So a company I would own if I could, I don't need to, and I can't right now, would be TikTok. TikTok is testing its own version of the Spotify Viral 50 or Billboard 100 after helping song after song top the charts. I enjoy live music. It's my thing. You may be a mountain biker. Some of you may be salsa, flamenco dancers. I don't know. We all have our things, right? I've passed on the love of music to my children, and now I used to like to go out and find it. That was my thing. Um, To see like Mumford and Sons in 2012 before they had a number one hit in 2013 was kind of like my thing, if you will. Um. Now my kids are starting past me. TikTok is probably the only social media site that underreports their results and underreports how long people are using the app because they don't want Congress to shut them down. TikTok is probably under communist influence. And what's scary about that is if China says, and for the record, the United States is going to be number three economy in the world in about 30 years, maybe 20 years. It'll be China, India, and the United States. And if China wants to wage war with us, the way they could do it is through social media and apps like TikTok and show a lot of videos that say, you don't need to go to college. Your country doesn't, you know, um, isn't as great as it used to be. Look at the police fighting the, the individuals. And suddenly you don't like your own country anymore. You don't want to go to college anymore. You get the idea. Um, so we still don't know if TikTok's going to have play in Congress as can they shut it down? It would be again, really tough for the government to tell us what you can and can't do without repercussions. Kids tend to fight parents suggestions and they tend not to like the government telling them what to do. And TikTok's huge, huge with children. 
So TikTok is testing its own version of Spotify Viral 50 or Billboard 100. Um, they've rolled out this service and types of music services into other markets like Brazil, seeing what works and what doesn't. My kids played a song for me called Get Off the Wall by the Philly Goats, uh, Collide by Justine Sky. I'm like, where did you find these? Peaches and Eggplants by uh, 21 Savage. And they know every every freaking word. <laughs> like I'm like, how do you know this? Daddy didn't find it for you. And they're like, TikTok. So long story short, they're influential. If I could buy TikTok today, I would. TikTok has been pushing deeper into other aspects of the music business in recent months. They've launched a song distribution artist services platform called Sound On. They've even signed artists directly. They have so much data on what kids like and don't like. It makes sense. Elsewhere in the world of social media, Twitter traffic is tanking as Meta's threads hit 100 million users. The fastest app to ever hit 100 million users, even faster than ChatGPT. Now, it had an unfair advantage. It had Instagram, where basically all you had to do was have an Instagram account, log in, and it says, do you want to open a, a threads account? And it would transfer all your friends and transfer all your your data, your your profile pictures, your your login name, all straight into threads. I like it because I fa- I post my on Mondays. I interview EP Wealth's director of portfolio strategy, Adam Phillips. I do that at 10 a.m. and by 4 p.m. I post it and I post it on my Facebook page. I hate Rob Black, as well as Cron Four Rob Black. And when I post it there, it says, do you want to put this on Instagram? I'm sure, like, sure, why not? And now, it, later today, it'll probably say, do you want to put it on your Threads account? Now, again, Threads is more text-oriented, so I don't quite knew, as I haven't really played with the app, being full disclosure. Uh, but user traffic on Twitter has slowed since the launch of Meta's text-based platform Threads, which has already surpassed 100 million signups. Uh, Threads launched in the United States on Wednesday. It's being touted by meta executives like Instagram as a more positive public square for communities that never really embraced Twitter. And users seem to be on board. I like the idea. Because if I post on Twitter, sometimes if I say something along the lines of, hey, I really like a company like NVIDIA, I'll get 14 messages in that thread of people that hate me. And they'll say things instead of like, you're wrong. Usually like AMD or overvalued, overvalued tech bro. Um, They should, I I get things like I want to pop your eyes out and kill you. Which may may be fair. You know, I I get maybe people do want to pop my eyes out and kill me, but not because of NVIDIA. Threads reached 100 million signups over the weekend. That's the mostly organic demand, and they haven't even turned on any promotions yet. Um, Zuckerberg said, can't believe it's only been five days. And he's going directly. He's taking shots. You know how they're going to have this this fight, this cage fight? It comes down to this, right? Twitter appears to have taken a hit. CEO of Cloudflare, a guy named Matthew Prince, shared a screenshot to Twitter Sunday showing that traffic on the platform was tanking. Twitter responded to requests for comment with an automated response. Meta didn't offer any additional comment beyond Zuckerberg's post. The booming growth on threads is helped by the fact that it's tied to an existing social network. And that tells you that 
meta in the future, they can roll out new social media networks pretty easy pleasy. Threads reached a hundred million milestone, even faster than OpenAI's generative chatbot GPT, which surpassed a hundred million monthly users in two months. App still has room to grow. It's not been launched in Europe yet. There's some regulatory complexity to navigate. Threads is able to retain their use base if it could solidify its position as a real competitor for Twitter, which reportedly has 238 million monetizable daily active users. Twitter owner Elon Musk appears to have already shown some concern about Threads as his longtime lawyer. Alex Spiro wrote a letter to Meta accusing the company of unlawful misappropriation of trade secrets. You can copy a company, no problem. You just can't use their code. So Musk and Zuckerberg over the weekend were taking shots at each other, which is kind of funny and pathetic all at the same time. You feel me? Um, Zuckerberg mocked Musk's tweet style and Musk called Zuckerberg a derogatory name. Look it up and you'll go. That's kind of sad and pathetic. You know, robo taxis are rolling out all across San Francisco right now. Uh, activists don't like it because activists have to have things that they don't like. Right. They're trying to protest driverless taxis. The group is called itself Safe Street Rebel. They've been putting traffic cones on robo taxis hoods to stop them from operating. And they've been giving instructions on social media for other people to do that. The anti-robo-taxi vigilantism comes ahead of a major hearing this week that could allow Cruise and Waymo, two autonomous vehicle companies with robo-taxi services in San Francisco, to expand their operations in the city to a level comparable to Ubers and Lyfts. Pretty, pretty interesting fight. I, would I have predicted this one? Probably be in San Francisco. But you don't really see it coming, do you? People are frustrated in San Francisco saying they didn't sign up to be guinea pigs in the self-autonomous autonomous driving experiments. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. So let's talk a little strategy, whole segment strategy. I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett. I'm going to get to a little bit Warren Buffett in this. I was taking a look at a YouTuber who's a finance YouTuber who I think he does a nice job, but not nice enough to promote. Money with Katie is the only social media person that I really say she does a really lovely job on podcasts. Never met her, never talked to her. She does a really, really nice job, and she's talking to women and men. But because her name is Katie, I think she appeals to women, which I think is a wonderful thing. Um, but there's there's a man named Graham Stephen who does YouTube videos, and I think he does a pretty nice job, um, especially the way he structures them, not necessarily the content, but the layout. And he talked about the easiest way to replace your income. It's the dream, right? Live off your dividends, he says. Now, it's kind of funny because he's absolutely right. Part of my whole goal in the last 25 years has been build enough position stocks so that I don't have to sell them when I retire, but their dividends that they pay 
will be enough for me to live off of. Interesting, right? I don't want to count on Social Security. I'll take Social Security because I've earned it. I've put money into the system, but I realize that's going to be about $22,000, $23,000 a year and not enough. The video is another contribution that this guy did to the debate on wages and salary and passive investments and financial independence and early retirement. I have at this point in time enough stocks that generate enough income. That I'm reinvesting their dividends. But if I didn't, I could quit this job and live off over $400,000 a year. That's always been my goal. It's always been my goal. $100,000 a year of income for me, $100,000 a year of income for my spouse, and $200,000 for travel and my children. Uh, maybe it's colleges and things like that, right? I can live comfortably off that. So that's about $4 million of assets. That was always my goal. I've well passed that, but that was always my goal. So inside the video, he talks about how he has set it up that he's got positions in Schwab U.S. Broad Market, Schwab International Equity, and individual dividend stocks. So he doesn't break down the individual dividend stocks, but they could be names like Disney or oh, Disney used to pay a dividend. They don't right now. It could be names like Goldman Sachs and Nike. It could be names like Apple, but Apple doesn't pay a big dividend. So he's probably using um, some REITs in there and some, some other ideas that have a higher yield because he's probably trying to get somewhere between, you know, two to 4% yield. So he claims that his dividend portfolio strategy generates $9,400 a month in passive income off basically five major holdings, which is two ETFs and three stocks. Um, if you wanted a, a good dividend stock, for instance, you might look at a utility stock, um, which pg and is going to start paying their dividend again later this year, it looks like. That could move their equity in the stock, but I'm not going to talk about that right now, but I'm telling you, Got a lot going on in my brain, and it sometimes processes is really fast. So this YouTuber, you know, he talks about dividend investing. He talks about how he's pulling in $9,400 a month. And ultimately, the amount of hate that he got was fantastic. Like, we just hate on people. Um. Someone anonymously posted, dividend aristocrats with an average yield of 3% could deliver roughly 50000 a year of income from $1.6 million. And the, the comment guy who was anonymous said, I'm going to start a GoFundMe so I can get $1.6 million from you guys so I can live like this guy. You would need about, again, north of two plus million and you can generate a decent hundred K per year is the thought even easier to generate income with dividends. If you got 10 million or 20 million or 30 million and everyone was hating on them. Like how did you get to 1.7 to $2 million in assets? Tell us that not how you've set it up so that, um, it, oh, look how easy it is to do with dividends, but you also have to have the cash to buy the stocks and the ETFs to pay the dividends, right? Um, 
he's not wrong. He's just this, the audience of people without money to invest is is wrong to be paying attention to him. They should be paying attention to videos on how to create wealth. And you start with your 401k or your 403b. You start with uh, a, a plan. $166 a month, $250 a month. You maybe use something like an acorn to automate it. That's what I did. I've generated all my wealth. I didn't, I inherited, well, I did inherit some recently last year. Um, but I generated all my wealth before that on my own. Um, I just, I'm throwing that down there for you. Some people were mean in their comments towards them and said, like, you know, if you got five, if you got 1.7 million, put it in a 5% CD, don't put it at dividends, then you earn, you know, $85,000 a year versus $50,000 a year. Um, I get it. I get it. Like people have to hate on people. All he was saying was dividends are a lovely strategy over the long term and accumulating dividend stocks and dividended ETFs, probably a a wise thing to do, or or at least a thought that you should have in your head instead of hating on the guy. So I I, I thought, do you know what dividends are? Company earns a million dollars and they say, we're going to take 2% of that and give it back to the shareholders. That's awesome. I like dividends. It's something that I am attracted to when I do stock picks. Now, I also own a company called Airbnb that doesn't pay a dividend. So, but they have the revenue that I like. But if it comes down to me at the stage of my life, 50 years old plus, I'm going after dividend payers. If I need it to accumulate wealth, I'm going after companies with with. 20 times, uh, two times revenue growth or able to grow it, you know, at a 20% clip for five years. I'm looking for total addressable market in my growth stocks, not dividends. I, I don't want my growth stocks paying dividends. I want my growth stocks uh, growing. I want my income stocks paying income. Like if I were to own something like Johnson & Johnson, they're not going to come out with baby shampoo 2.0. They already got uh, no tears, baby shampoo, right? I'm okay with that. But I want income because I know they're not going to be a grower. With Apple, they're so big now, I think they're going to have to up their income payout. Um, I know they still have a car up their sleeve. And I still know that the headset hasn't rolled out yet. But after that, I, I see instead of revolution i see evolution in their products the new airpods that are coming out there's a a strong tie rumor that they're going to have sensors in them so they could take your temperature taking your temperature in your ear is a lot more effective than taking your temperature on your wrist which they just rolled out last year for women who are trying to get pregnant it says hey you're probably ovulating right now and i'm not going to get into the details of ovulation because you know what i don't really know them that well um but I think that's, that's worthy of note. Uh, know what you want. So let's talk Warren Buffet real quick. Warren Buffett. He talked about the simple trick of re- earning a fat retirement nest egg. Let's go back to that YouTube video guy who says, dividend stocks, great way to get income. And then people got mad at him. But I give you Warren Buffett now because when he talks and when he passes, I'll probably do a weekly Warren Buffett segment. Um. He bought his first stock in 1941. His net worth has ballooned from $5,000, uh, which adjusted for inflation would be about 108000 to over $110 billion today. And he did it all investing. 
He did it with a business for sure. So the trick isn't to pick the right company. Most people aren't equipped to do that. And plenty of times I make mistakes on that too. Trick is essentially to buy all the big companies through the S&P 500 and to do it consistently and to do it in a very, very low cost way because costs matter in investments. Buffett advises, look at the fine print. It can seem pretty great. If you're beating out inflation with returns of 7% or more in the S&P 500, but management fees can severely eat away at your retirement savings, go with an ETF or an index fund. Pay as little as 10 basis points instead of 100 basis points for 1%. Even so, he says pay attention to the costs and go after the S&P 500 fund. Low-cost S&P 500 index funds charge fees. So do research uh, when you can come up with a list of the cheapest options. Buffett states, keep contributing for decades and you'll have plenty by retirement. I love this, man. Buffett advised savers to buy shares of the S&P 500 and keep doing it no matter what. That's the key not to only to holding a strong retirement fund, but also to having more cash on hand to pass down to your family. Keep buying the S&P 500 in thick and thin, especially through the thin, the down years. When you see bad headlines in newspapers, say, well, maybe I should skip a year. Nope, just keep buying. He says, if you're buying the S&P 500, you're buying the biggest and best companies in the country. So you just have to remain confident, like Buffett, that these companies will rise again. American business is going to do fine over time. So you know the investment universe is going to do very well. I love that, man. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. So it was an interesting conversation during the commercials with my friend back in the radio station who's running the show. I brought up Fun Strats Tom Lane. He goes, I like him. He's bullish on Bitcoin. And that got me thinking in there in the commercials during the show, like, okay. And I also did a segment on Warren Buffett. And uh, I like fun strats, Tom Lee, fine. But, but if I were to own Bitcoin, it would be 1% to 5% of my net worth, and that's it. Still haven't figured out the function of it. Um, and it's it's a big challenge to the dollar. And I don't think our SEC really likes that. When you decentralize a currency so that, Companies like Visa aren't getting a cut of every transaction. Um, <clears throat> there's going to be pushback. And I don't think we are where we want to be with the transactions on Bitcoin. And I don't think it's a big enough, wide enough net to replace the dollar in any way, shape, or form. I have concerns. Now, again, I think when you get to companies like Fidelity and BlackRock saying we we need some sort of place for our clients to keep their Bitcoin under our umbrella so they don't have to go to a foreign market like a Binance, which Binance is imploding right now. I would be surprised if they make it out of the summer with um, still being operational. And we've already seen Sam Bankman-Fried's company completely fail. Um, And with that complete failure, you saw Tom Brady lose, what was it, $30 million uh, when FTX went down? So when Tom Brady loses money, Congress pays attention. When you lose money, they're like, eh, don't know if you are picking up my vibe of truth there or my version of a truth, but I'll stick with that one if you don't mind. So um, 
but it did get me thinking like why does not my producer i know he's younger than me good 15 20 years but why doesn't he live like love warren buffett something that's bothering me is that he likes what another person says that he likes because he's younger he's a bitcoin enthusiast so if anyone says they're they're pro bitcoin he's like hey i like that guy like like warren buffett he's done it for a longer period of time he's shown you consistency um let's talk about some of the things that i'm seeing out there on what i would refer to the state of the market there's a lot of excitement around artificial intelligence and fading recession fears. That's driven a big 16% rally in the SP 500 in the first half of the year. The SP 500 is technically in a bull market after rebounding more than 20% from the lows set in October. Large companies drove the rally in equities with the 10 largest stocks of the SP 500 accounting for 80% of the gains. So those large companies, um, I think you know who they are. You can call them the Fantastic Seven, the Magnificent Seven, whatever you want to call them. Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Meta Platforms, Alphabet, Bank of America, and Michael Hartnett. He used the term Magnificent Seven first, I think. And again, the, the I forgot Tesla and NVIDIA on that list, but Tesla, NVIDIA, Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, and Meta have accounted for 80% of the 16% move in the S&P 500. Um, of those companies right now, I think Amazon has the most upside in the short term. Um, I own... Meta, I own Apple, I own Amazon, I own Alphabet, I own Microsoft, I own NVIDIA. I do not own Tesla directly, but I own Tesla because I own an S&P 500 fund. Weird, right? It's all working for us. We're getting stocks ever much on the show. Um, yeah. So I, I think I can stop there and move on with the commentary. The economy has shown impressive resilience, despite the most aggressive monetary tightening in 40 years. I've heard a lot of chatter in the last couple of weeks that those interest rate hikes that the Fed has implemented in the last year are going to hurt the economy. And are the economy getting hurt will lead to a lower stock market over the next six to nine months. Recent job data suggests the labor market remains strong, though. Fears of a banking crisis have cited since the government took some actions to get through the Silicon Valley bank virus. Risks remain elevated in the months ahead is the bottom line right now. Inflation in the U.S. remains too high for the Fed's comfort. Unless on Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday this week we see inflation moderate, I, I think we can have some anxiety there. But if we see inflation moderate, I think it's, again, off to the races. And yet consumption has started to cool in recent months as households feel the, the, the impact of tighter financial conditions. Uh, if I were a professional talking to wealthy people, and I'm not, I would say stock valuations are high. You're a multimillionaire. Let's let's not stick with a high valuation stocks. Let, let's let's spread it out into some mid caps, small caps, some value, some international. 
things that have underperformed compared to the mega cap stocks. With yields on high quality bonds offering more than 5%, investors can afford to be selective and not go after the historical S&P 500 type performance of 16% this year. But typically the S&P 500 is going to be somewhere between 8 and 10% with dividends. Um, now, some of the actual data is SP 500 earnings per share are expected to grow again this year. Uh, they were expecting, analysts were expecting cuts there. But total credit card balance is rising pretty aggressively in the United States. From $700 billion in 2003, it went to about $850 billion in 2008. And then the recession hit in 2008, and it went to about $700 billion again in 2013. When it bottomed, and then from 2013 to 2019, it went up to 900 billion credit card debt. And then the last few years, it's gone from 900 billion back down to seven, uh, 800 billion. Now it's almost a trillion dollars. So debt is climbing. People are a little bit more strained. You find me online at Rob Black Show. That's robblackshow.com. There's a new event coming up in August with CFP Chad Burton on the peninsula. Sign up for it at robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.